Welcome to the AIPT Movies Podcast with your hosts, Alex Harris. And with them, as always, are Tim Garner and Matt Paul. Could be worse. You could be in the middle of a Shake Shack shit show. <laughs> and the burgers aren't even worth... Well, I mean, there are those, like, really like flat ones they like press them down so it's all crispy that smash was kind of cool yeah it's like a smash burger but they're very small that's fucking weird i never really understood uh i never been to a shake shack i never really quite understood the uh i don't really get it it's a, it's a hot couture smash burger experience or you could go to a diner <laughs> it was like 40 bucks for like two burgers fries yep and like fucking chicken nuggets that's insane yeah they're from new they got to make that New York money, dog. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Fucking New York books. All right, well, I guess we won't get that Shake Shack uh, sponsorship. That's a bummer. <laughs> anyway, hello and welcome to the AIPT Movies Podcast. I'm Alex Harris. I'm an independent writer slash director. You may know me from my new movie, The Bundy Blunders. What was childhood like for young Ted Bundy? Let's find out by laughing along with the teen troublemaker Ted Bundy as he falls in love for the first time while attending his first open casket funeral. Let's make evil characters lovable by assigning the blame for their actions to outside factors. You know how they got James Gandolfini's son to play the younger version of Tony Soprano in the new movie? Oh yeah, did they get Zac Efron's nephew or something to play Bundy? Nah, I, I pulled a reverse 17 again, and I got Matthew Perry to play 15-year-old Ted Bundy. You can barely tell he's 52. Didn't look a day over 62. <laughs> Hi. Um, I'm Tim Gardner, man in a suit, actor, contortionist, mime, green suit guy, yada yada. And, well, um, you may know me from my upcoming role as... Uh, oh, God, I'm sorry. I'm so excited I can barely say it. What is it? You haven't told us about it. Like, ever, just so everyone knows at home, this is new to us, too. What, what, what's going on? Okay, well, uh, who would you guys say is my biggest hero? Like, the guy that got me to wake up in the morning, put my pants on one leg at a time, and then take those pants off so that I can put on a foam latex monster suit, one leg, arm, torso, and head at a time. Kevin, Kevin Peter, Peter Hall. That's right. Yes. Yes. The late, great Kevin Peter Hall has been my hero ever since I saw him swinging around that tree in the Predator costume. And I can't believe it, but I managed to finally follow in his foam latex footsteps by starring as his most iconic character. Oh, my God. No way. Seriously? That's right, guys. I am going to play Harry in the Harry and the Hendersons reboot. Sorry, I just dropped my fresca out of excitement. Holy balls, that's amazing. Yeah, you couldn't hear it because I, I, I use proper mic technique, but I, I did just do a spit take. Uh, Jesus, man, you finally done it. That's amazing. Who Who is going to try to fill John Lithgow's shoes? Don't know, don't care. All I know is my big feet are going to attempt to fill Kevin Peter Hall's big, big foot feet. Those are some big, Bigfoot feet to fill, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Arguably the biggest of the big, Bigfoot feet. What is the, what's the reboot called? Just Harry and the Hendersons again? Well, uh, see, I'm not sure. They can't decide if they want to do a gritty origin story thing or a gritty sequel that ignores the second movie. Right. I mean, if they go with the prequel, it may just be Harry Origins or Harry Royale. I mean... <laughs> If if it's a direct sequel to the original, it might just be Harry or Harry eats the Hendersons. I mean, 
they're also kicking around an idea about how Harry ended up in the specific mountain range he was living in, which may end up being when Harry met Valley. <laughs> uh, either way, I get to be Harry, so who cares what they call it, you know? That That's great, Tim. Wow. I, this is a really big deal. I almost feel weird just doing the episode now. Should we celebrate or something? Hi, I'm Matt Paul, and I'm just a guy on a podcast. <laughs> I'm certainly not a script doctor. And anyone who says I am should take a cue from my final draft of the Sopranos finale and... (laughs) Once again, we have some corrections from the previous episode, but honestly, considerably less than usual. Um, First, in the very beginning of the episode, when you guys are brought into the end of a conversation without proper context, which I totally don't do on purpose, I said I was, quote, no more dispressed than usual. Now, it may have sounded like I was originally going to say displeased, but decided halfway through that I wanted to say depressed and ended up combining the words. Uh, This is not the case, as I actually tend to live in a constant state of dispression. Uh, Some bizarre midpoint between depressed and displeased is my baseline. Um, So the correction that I want to make is that I said I was, quote, no more dispressed than usual last week, when I was actually considerably more dispressed than usual at the time. Well, I mean, how are you now? Oh, I'm fine today. I'm like indifferently enraged. Oh, oh, okay, good. Well, uh, well, the, another correction is that when I was talking about the movie Old Henry last week, uh, I pronounced the director's name as Pozzi Ponsarelli when it's actually pronounced Bronson Pinchot. Wait, that can't be right. <laughs> it's not, but we're getting better at this, and I need to make sure we have at least one correction next week. Oh, fair enough. And finally, I'd like to correct what I just said prior to corrections. <laughs> I never worked on Sopranos in any way. I certainly didn't work on the finale That'd be like saying that I worked on the first season of Game of Thrones. Everyone knows I only go through it the last season. And I have to say, Matt, it seems like people are still talking about that last season of Game of Thrones, so I'm sure you must have done something right. Anyway, let's move on to some news. Scarlett Johansson and Disney have settled the Black Widow lawsuit. Johansson and Disney chairman Bob Iger are both reportedly pleased with the settlement, which apparently involves millions of dollars on top of the millions they both already have. These detached millionaires hope that adding Black Widow to Disney Plus will be enough for us peasants. It's been reported that Venom Let There Be Carnage has the biggest opening of the pandemic era. Personally, I'm appalled that we're still slut-shaming in this day and age. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Thor 2 and many Saints of Newark director Alan Taylor would love to make a Snyder Cut version of Thor 2. Taylor hopes that if you slow the movie down and make it bloated and extra long, you'll really be able to tell how not good it is. (laughs) I was originally going to do this whole thing where like a bunch of like Snyder fans like break into the room and they're like, what are you doing talking about Snyder? And we're like, it was a joke. And they're like, what's a joke? Um, but... <laughs> oh, I know, right? Scott Derrickson, director of the first Doctor Strange movie, is returning to horror with his new movie, The Black Phone. The release date has been pushed to February 2022, I'm assuming, in a marketing exec's misguided attempt to capitalize on Black History Month. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. <That's... laughs> oh, God. But like... You know... No, no, Can't that's you like, see it, that being it. <laughs> I know. I that's the that's why I'm saying, oh God, because I don't think this is a joke. I think this I mean, is I, some. 
This is some detached exec probably had it. Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, I could be right. I could be yes, right. Yes, you could be right. That's what's terrible. Well, anyway. <laughs> anyway, Sally Hawkins, Rowan Atkinson, and more have signed on for Wonka, the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory prequel. Now we can have families destroyed as spouses argue about whether or not the chocolate industry failed Wonka, or if he was a dangerous, child-disappearing, oompa-loompa-exploiting chocolate baron from the start. Jake Gyllenhaal has signed on to star as Prophet in an adaptation of Rob Liefeld's comic from the 90s. When asked why he wanted to play Prophet, Gyllenhaal said, Shit, I thought I was playing Shatterstar. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember e- either of those characters, Matt? Um, Shatterstar had like the ponytail and the headband, right? And like, yeah. Yep, yep. And Prophet had a very similar headband very as well. Similar. I don't remember Prophet. Is Prophet Marvel? He was no. Image, I believe. He was Image. Yeah, image. Uh, he, was, he was after Youngblood and all that stuff. By the way, I just, I just want to add that Image relaunched Prophet a few years ago with, without Liefeld. And yeah. they reinvented it. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah. They, they've they've tried to do a pretty, like, there's been a lot of, like, interesting writers who have taken on a lot of, like, Liefeld stuff and try to make interesting stuff with them. And I, to be fair, I'm also kind of, like, weirdly apologetic for Liefeld because he's just sure. so... He's self-aware. He's so pure. He's just, like, unfettered by standards. <laughs> You yeah. know, like he just he just makes what he wants to make. And and it's just it's there's something intriguing about it. But yeah, Gyllenhaal is going to have to like work out like a lot, all of his arms and legs, but like make sure his head looks really small. <laughs> he just better not do any feet exercises. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough for news. Let's move on to new releases. In theaters only this week is No Time to Die. James Bond, who has left active service with MI6, is recruited by the CIA to rescue a kidnapped scientist, which leads to a showdown with a powerful adversary. This is the 25th installment in the James Bond series, produced by Eon Productions. Stars Daniel Craig in his fifth and final outing (laughs) as the fictional British MI6 agent James Bond. I'm glad that this thing I copied from Wikipedia made sure to specify that James Bond is fictional. (laughs) What? (laughs) This whole time, I thought it was a biopic. Um, It is directed by Kari Joji Fukunaga, who I believe only recently attached Joji to his name, who many people know from directing the first season, True Detective, and he wrote the uh, It remake, which I did not love. Um, It's from a screenplay by Neil Purvis, Robert Wade, um, who worked on pretty much all of the modern modern James Bond movies. Fukunaga and Phoebe Waller-Bridge, uh, Leah Seydoux, Ben Wishaw, Naomi Harris, No Relation, Jeffrey Wright, Christoph Waltz, Rory Kinnear, and, Ra- and Ralph Fiennes all reprised their roles from the previous films, with Rami Malek, who most people know from Mr. Robot, probably, uh, Lashana Lynch, Billy Magnuson, Anna de Armas, David Densick, and uh, I, I just copied all these, and like I don't even fucking know who these people are. But, um, you know, those people are in it as well, and good for them. Um, Billy Magnuson, I, uh, you know, I know from, you know, being the guy who plays young Polly Walnuts in, uh, there we <laughs> in go. Many Saints in Newark. He was also in that movie Game Night and he was really good in it. And, uh, Anna de Armas, I will always have a soft spot for her as she helped resurrect my spirit animal, Ben Affleck, from the grave. She helped usher him into the new world, much like the phoenix on his back. <laughs> Not his face. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I'm not as into the the other the second Ben Affleck. I'm I'm OG Ben Affleck personally. Yeah, it's like Coke and New Coke, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But no, I'm excited to see No Time to Die. That looks that looks great. Absolutely. Uh, new on VOD this week is South of Heaven. Convicted felon Jimmy gets early parole after serving 12 years for armed robbery. Upon his release, he vows to give Annie, his childhood love, now dying from cancer, the best last year of her life. Unfortunately, it's not that simple. The crime thriller drama film is directed by Aaron Cashels, uh, who did ABCs of Death 2, and stars Jason Sudeikis and Evangeline Lilly. So I, I just like... I didn't see anything from this movie until I was like putting this together. And I like that the synopsis sounds like a tearjerker drama, but it's apparently a crime thriller. <laughs> it is a crime thriller. Yeah. And then it's Jason Sudeikis. I know. Yeah. yeah. I'm surprised it's... I didn't hear about it, especially because he's so, you know, he's so he's so Hansel right now. I'm surprised <laughs> that uh, I'm surprised I didn't hear about it. I did see the trailer and that read does not match what the trailer was conveying. <laughs> Does it seem like more of a thriller? It absolutely is. Hmm. It's absolutely man is put in between rock and hard place, you know, of you know, of old life, new life, and what matters most. Like that's the thrill of it. It's the drama of it too, but the thriller is definitely his tightrope walking that he must perform. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. New on Disney Plus this week is Muppets Haunted Mansion, <laughs> a puppet comedy Halloween special based on the Disney properties The Muppets and The Haunted Mansion. The movie was directed by Kirk R. Thatcher, who did visual effects for RoboCop 2. That makes sense. Yep. <laughs> and stars The Muppets, who you may know from The Muppets. <laughs> I, I love how this synopsis that's here, which came from Wikipedia, it just is so corporate. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's based on the properties. <laughs> We combined these two popular IPs and gave it to you in a merged form of IP. We Cronenberg the IPs. <laughs> exactly. Oh boy. Um, I never know if I should include movies like that in these, but whatever. That's fair. New on Amazon Prime this week are two more installments in the Welcome to the Bloom House anthology series. The first is The Manor. After suffering a mild stroke, Judith Albright reluctantly moves into a historic nursing home where she becomes convinced a supernatural force is killing the residents. That just sounds like a remake of Bubba Hotep. Um, the oh, horror God. film is, <laughs> the horror film is directed and written by Axel Carolyn, who played the kind of queen of the apocalypse in Neil Marshall's, uh, Doomsday. Remember her? She was yeah. a girl who gets beheaded. Yeah. Uh, but she has also been directing small movies and writing nonfiction for a while now. That's good for her. Um, the, fil- the film stars Barbara Hershey, who I'm not familiar with, Bruce Davidson, who played the senator that mutated into water in X-Men, um, Stacey Travis, Sierra Payton, Jill Larson, and Mark Steger. Um, the second of the new Welcome to the Bloomhouse movies is Madres. Expecting their first child, a Mexican-American couple moved to a migrant farming community in the 1970s, California, where strange symptoms and terrifying visions threaten their new family. The Mexican-American horror film is written by Mario Mischione. I... <laughs> Why did I make him Italian? <laughs> God damn it, Alex. Um, I didn't... Just for anyone listening, assuming this is in, um, I had to put this together in a shorter time frame than usual, so there's going to be almost no proper pronunciations. Just throwing that out there. Um, Mario Mischione, uh, Marcella Ochoa, and directed by Ryan Zaragoza. Uh, It stars... (laughs) 
Elpida Carrillo, Carrie Cahill, Ariana Guerra, yeah. Jennifer Patino, Britton Webb, and Evelyn Gonzalez, and Tenok. What a, that's interesting. Huerta. Um, I apologize for not knowing who any of these people are. You are forgiven. In theaters only this week is Lamb. A childless couple, Maria and Ingvar, discover a mysterious newborn on their farm in Iceland. The unexpected prospect of family life brings them much joy, before ultimately destroying them. The Icelandic supernatural horror film is directed by... Uh, <laughs> I, li- I like how it's not Vladimir, it's Valdemar. Valdemar, yeah. The Icelandic supernatural horror film is directed by Valdemar Johansson, who primarily has a history in visual effects, and also co-wrote the screenplay with Sion, which, by the way, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, is that writer's entire name. The film stars Numi Rappies. I, did you guys see the trailer for that? I've seen the trailer for it. I want to see it. It's an A24 movie. It looks really A24-y. Yeah, exactly. It's got the A24 vibes. For good or ill, it's got A24 vibes. Exactly. In theaters only this week is Mass. Aftermath of a violent tragedy that affects the lives of two couples in different ways. What a weird synopsis. Uh, the drama <laughs> film is written and directed by Franz Kranz. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. By Fran Kranz. Wow, poor guy. Uh, in his directorial debut, but you may remember him as the stoner guy from Cabin in the Woods. Oh my god, that's awesome. <laughs> wow. I know, right? Good for him, right? That's, that's fantastic. The movie stars Reed Burney and Dowd, who I always dislike because of her ability to play unlikable characters, like in The Handmaid's Tale and The Leftovers. Um, Jason Isaacs, who will always be the narrator in the first Resident Evil to me, and Martha <laughs> Plimpton. All right, that's uh, that's it for new releases, which means it's time for What Did We Watch This Week? Uh, well, there were a few big releases that came out last week, but we didn't manage to see them. Uh, in light of this, we just, you know, hung out and loitered outside of a movie theater and interviewed some people as they left, asking how they felt about what they had seen, you know, and kind of like a man-on-the-street kind of thing. First, we asked a stereotypical Italian mob guy what he thought of Venom Let There Be Carnage. Excuse me, sir. Um, yeah, you with the pompadour and the overly fancy suit uh, and gun-shaped bulge in your coat. What do you want? You wearing a wire? You have to tell me. <laughs> no, no. Well, uh, well, not a wearing a wire, no, but I am holding a microphone, uh, as you can see. I'm okay with that because it's not sneaky. I hate sneakiness. Being the stand-up guy that I am. Sir, so what are you offloading off this truck full of flat-screen TVs all of a sudden? Don't worry about it. So, uh... Cut to the chase. Why are you interviewing me? I'm a busy man. Oh, apologies. Yes. What did you think of Venom Let There Be Carnage? I don't know. I don't know what kind of freaky artsy thing I walked into. I don't know what that Eddie Brock guy is doing, uh, sharing a body with some other guy. Well, you know, it's not another guy. It's a symbiotic creature. Whatever. I don't know what they're calling themselves nowadays. I just know it sure didn't look like a broad, if you know what I'm saying. I don't think you'd really, you know, fit in with my crew. Uh, you know, it's all, you know, you know? I, maybe, you know, when we go to, you know, the strip club and, you know, we hang up with the broads in the back room, you know, I'm just saying. I don't know if the Seti Brock guy would really be down with that. It's, that's just the vibe that I'm getting. I'm not trying to judge. That's, that was one of my big takeaways from the movie. Oh, oh okay. Uh, all right. But I feel like you really misunderstood the movie. You seem to be displaying some really old-fashioned homophobia here. Hey, Whatever, okay? Uh, I, I, is, this, is this gonna be on the wide world web or whatever? Because I have a lot of thoughts about the indigenous people stealing the holiday from Christopher Columbus. 
Well, that was fun. Uh, okay, uh, we we also interviewed a sentient alien symbiote with an amorphous liquid-like form about the Sopranos prequel, The Many Saints of Newark. Yeah, uh, although, come to think of it, guys, did, did we mix this up? Should it have been the other way? I don't know, whatever. It's fine. Let's go to the tape. Let's see what it had to say. Uh, excuse me, uh, amorphous symbiote, uh, what did you think of The Many Saints of Newark? <laughs> I see, so you felt like it focused way too much on Dickie Moltisanti and barely on Tony Soprano, despite all the marketing selling it as a movie about young Tony Soprano? I, I can see how that would be frustrating. <laughs> Yeah, I never really saw the appeal in Dicky either. I kind of always assumed he'd be kind of annoying because his son was kind of annoying. So I, you know, I'm not surprised by that. I, I, I wasn't looking for a movie about Dicky either. Um, but how was, uh, how was young Tony? Yeah, I mean, it's probably fun to see younger versions of these characters, but I, I can see how it could seem kind of like an extended SNL skit to you. Yeah, that, that, that seems to make sense. Seriously, they gave Vera Farmiga a fake nose? Did it play? Wow, well, that's good at least. Did you have a favorite part of the movie, uh, or an especially hot take about the movie? Oh, wow, holy shit, that's one of the hottest takes I've ever heard. Hopefully such an insightful opinion will help increase our downloads. Thanks so much, Amorphous Symbiote. Shit. What happened there, Alex? Did the amorphous symbiote attack you? No, Matthew. I am fine. Please do not question my changes in behavior or diet. These coasters please my human palate. Anyway, speaking of sentient amorphous creatures that will live in my head forever, this week we watched the 1988 remake <laughs> of The Blob! Yay! A deadly entity from space crashes near a small town and begins consuming everyone in its path. Panic ensues as shady government scientists try to contain the horrific creature. The movie's directed by Chuck Russell, who also made Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, The Dream Warriors, uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie Eraser, and The Mask, which was, uh, I mean, I love The Mask. Somebody stop me. That's, <laughs> it was written by, uh, Chuck, it was written by Chuck Russell and Frank Darabont, and stars Shawnee Smith, who many people know from the Saw franchise, and Kevin Dillon, who many people know from Entourage, or the less prominent seat at the Dillon family Thanksgiving gathering. Someday, he'll get out, he'll graduate to the grown-ups table. <laughs> someday, someday, he's just, he's, he's eyeing the head of the table where Matt is every day. I believe in Kevin. <sighs> um, so as a warning, I'm sure there will be spoilers as we discuss the blob. So if you haven't seen this absolutely fantastic movie, um, you may want to pause this, watch the movie, and come back. Otherwise, let's dig right in. So... Tim, Matt, what are your favorite things about the block? Basically all of the death scenes. <laughs> the, I know, that's so good. So good. And like some of them are so, I mean, most of them I would say are like frightening. Yeah. Yeah. It's visceral as fuck. Yeah. This movie is in a category of mine with, along with like Alien and The Thing that I saw way too, like I saw like on cable TV. Probably like WLVI 56 yeah. on like Saturday afternoons when I was like, I don't know, eight or something. Yep. So I have a soft spot for, for this movie a lot. And I, and, and it, I, I like that it's, you know, it's funny and kind of cheesy and kind of 80s, but also like frightening and gross and scary. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
it's like it's like a horror amusement park ride. Yeah. Because it it has legitimate horror, but it has all this like fun and excitement mixed in. Like it, it's such a like it's such a unique balance that I feel like I there's not a lot of movies that really manage this like tone this tonal balance that the blob does. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with some of the like the action scenes uh countered with <laughs> Just the visceral murder of how people are consumed by a giant amoeba, essentially. <laughs> like, yeah. One thing that, like, on Matt's, uh, you know, level about seeing this way too young of an age, with I think which we're all in that camp. The movie, th- the movie theater scene where there's like a woman oh, with glasses God. on the ground, and she like, uh, Miss, get up, and she turns her over, and you see basically she's dead, and half of her is melted. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, Tim. Tim grew up real friggin' quick uh, in that scene. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, Kevin, D- Kevin Dillon, uh, his his hair is pretty sick because uh, you know oh, all yeah. the teen drama is just so good, right? I think she wants your body. <laughs> the, the the fact that that's a line in this movie, just like. Mm, and the guy it. that has I like a it. whole like bar set up in his trunk oh. for like you know <laughs> getting chicks. I wrote that down. I was like, this bar setup is so like. Of course, the guy sucks. He's a piece of shit. Oh, yeah. He was one of the few I was happy to see die. But like, um, but that bar setup was amazing. I was I was so blown away by that. Every time I see it, I'm blown away by it. And I've seen this movie countless times. <laughs> and I mean, rag dolls galore. In this oh film. So many. god when the well oh one thing that they do in this movie is that you think there's like all these people that are like going to be in it the whole time yeah and they yep. all bite it like like in the beginning yeah yeah it's i guess i wanted to talk about this yes. because i was like holy shit this is way right up there with deep blue sea yeah mm-hmm. as like completely subverting your expectations because you assume that the guy who looks like scott bayo's cousin <laughs> is is the lead paul and paul and then like and then he dies horribly well like horribly well she does i mean paul paul does give meg a hand before he dies Uh, (laughs) when the waitress um when the waitress is in the phone booth and like it it covers the whole thing and it just like whooshes in so quick and she just like oh man crazy the, that effect is so like, well done. So much too. practical. Yeah, oh my god, so many practical effects. The, the the effects guy was Tony Gardner, who worked on Darkman. No relation. Mm. So, <laughs> I think it's Gardner. I don't think there's an eye. Um, there never is. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like the effects in this movie are so good, and all the like the optical effects that they did back when they used to have to like print things on multiple like layers of film in order to put things together like the effects in this movie look really good to this day there's like a couple like kind of cheesy parts but for the most part they're amazing but yeah like the the way that they kill um the main guys like fairly early in the movie yeah and the way that they kill the the waitress and in that amazing scene in the uh phone booth is so great and and yeah like when you watch this movie you assume that scott bayo looking dude is the lead (laughs) with uh, Shawnee Smith's character Meg mm-hmm. <clears throat> being his like love interest, yeah. and you assume that fifty fifty shot whether or not Kevin Dillon's character will live. Yeah, 
Yeah. And so like when that all happens, then you're like, okay, maybe Kevin Dillon's the lead. But then as the movie goes on, you realize that Meg is actually the lead and she's like a final girl in a horror movie. Hell yeah. And then this is and this is also one of the first movies that had the chutzpah for to my recollection and my experience to yep. buck the trend of like, we're killing a kid. I yep. know. I I remember I saw this a bunch on TV when I was a kid too, and and I didn't remember it super well. And then I rewatched it. I, like I don't know if we all rented it together in high school or if it was shortly after that or something. But I rewatched it, and I had completely forgotten about that scene with the kids. So it took me by complete surprise again. Yeah, yeah because this is like nineteen. This is nineteen eighty eight, and we're like knee deep in formula at this point. You know where? Yeah. These beats are hit, and this movie is just like saying, "Oh, do you like your formula? Well, too bad. I'm flipping the table." <laughs> Yeah, like in horror movies, especially popcorny horror movies, you could almost always assume that the kids were fine. And you know what? Do we blame or thank Frank Darabont again? You know, like I know, I know. Was this in the story, or, or was this, or were these things in the screenplay? I don't know, but thanks to Ir, you know Irving Milgate and Frank Darabont and Chuck Russell, you know, I recognized um, the the guy that plays the sheriff was mm-hmm. in The Walking Dead. It took me like like the whole movie yeah. to realize that I recognized him, but he was um the guy who drives the RV. Why can't I think of his name? But um, A- is his name Abe Abraham or something? No. Oh. oh, I forget his name. He's like in the beginning, like the first like three seasons. He like right, has right, right, like yeah. the I... fishing the like bucket hat, and he has the RV with yeah. everybody. I forget his name. God damn it, uh, Dale. He was Dale. 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 He was also in. Th- in the mist. Yeah. Yes, he is. Direct, written and directed by Frank Darabont, yeah. where he also kills a kid. <laughs> so yeah. So maybe Jeffrey Dumont, who Dale, uh, is maybe is maybe, is he a Frank Darabont regular? You know, because you know how a lot of directors like so. to do that sort of thing. So yeah. They all. I also want to point out the other cop, which was the guy who played Emil in RoboCop. I know who is. And what other stuff has 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 he been in? He his other thing that he's more famous for is ER. Ah, what? oh my yeah. god he was on er for a long yeah, time yeah 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 um he was like the hothead like yeah yep and most people probably know him from that but like people like us also know him from like robocop and the blob and <laughs> and apparently and this came out in 88 so robocop had like just been made yeah. and so apparently frank darabont and chuck russell used to call him the melty guy on set <laughs> and i love that he got a he also got a sweet ragdoll death he got yeah. folded in half to death by being pulled through the uh, <laughs> through the bookcase. Yeah. Um, oh my god! I mean, I I wrote so many things while I was rewatching this movie because it's just it's just so damn good. Well, I, I, it's just so fucking. Good. It is good. It's a freaking classic. It it elevates. I mean, this is it elevates the original movie. It it blasts the original movie out yeah. of the water. I don't think I've seen the first one or, or the original I mean, the, from the fifties. I mean, yeah. I mean, see it. And then kind of, I mean, you might, the pacing is very 1950s sci-fi yeah. B-movie. Yeah. Um, but what I need, what's missing from my dic- my uh, dictionary or lexicon of blob knowledge is I never saw the 1972 movie Beware the Blob, which is a Ooh. sequel to the 50s movie. Mm, Interesting. I did not see that either. And the guy who plays um, the Reverend in this film. Oh, yeah, that's um, like my- Oh, so Reverend good. Meeker, Del Close, he is in Beware the Blob. Ooh, so him, that's cool. so Del Close being in this remake of the original is kind of a you know, hey hey, wink wink. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. I 
Yeah, I, I never saw the original, and I completely forgot about the the sequel. Yeah, but I mean, apparently it's campy, so they're like, well, no, I don't think it's as campy as the '50s one. The '50s is campy because it's very yeah. obvious they're pushing, you know, Welch's jelly through model <laughs> model homes. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I one of my favorite things was the whole scene. With the guy trying to buy condoms. <laughs> oh, yeah. That that whole scene was like comedic gold. That was so fucking funny. Like, that was such a well-written, like, like series of events, you know? Like, he blames it on his friend, not realizing that he's in front of the dad of the girl that his yeah. friend's about to go on a date with, and he's nervous in front of the priest. And then the poor fucking Scott Bayo guy... Goes to pick up the girl and meets the dad. <laughs> yeah. That's such an 80s thing. Oh my god, it was so great. Playing with the expectations, baby. Yeah, they gotta hit those formulaic beats, get lulled them into a false sense of security of the audience. Yep. And they and exactly like putting us in Paul's like world and putting us in like these uncomfortable situations with him makes us relate to him more and we come we become more and more con- you know convinced that he's going to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so like that, that not only worked as like a comedic beat, but it actually like helped to build up that whole, you know, change of expectations. Um, another thing that I loved in that movie in the blob was um, that awesome practical stunt at the end, because because uh, Kevin Dillon's character is co- trying to like get a rush. He's trying to like ride his bike over this jump. Yeah. Um, and like he's nervous to do it and one of the ways they show his growth as a character is that when he's trying to escape the government guys he's like fuck it i'm going for it and he does the jump and in the shot he goes over the jump with a helicopter flying over his head and then the car chasing him like rolling off the cliff that's all in shot one shot stunt wow yeah that's which is pretty cool that's some choreography mastery yeah, like they they probably wouldn't do that all in one shot nowadays. They probably like film them separately and put them together. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look how the John Wick three motorcycle scene was shot. Yeah, I mean not. I mean right. not for. I mean, I am one of those motorcycles, but I mean, like, <laughs> watch it and you'll and you'll see that it's never done like that the way it was. You know. Right. Right. That's a good point. And I mean, you would know. You were there. Um, I also loved the fake slasher in the movie that I thought I can't remember the name for it. I don't remember. Um, oh yeah. But, but they're watching in the theater and there's like a couple make it out and they're like, isn't it a little late to be trimming hedges? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just trimming hedges at like 10 o'clock at night. And then he like looks up when he shoots, see his hockey mask and the guy's like all like, con- he's like, just, he's not scared. He's just confused. And he's like, wait, hockey season ended months ago. Oh, <laughs> That whole thing was so good. That that whole thing was fantastic. It reminded me of like back in the day when the Simpsons would like put all this effort into these great fake movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would happen in the background or like the, you know, the The Ramier Wolfcastle films. Yeah, yeah. McBain. Like McBain, like yeah. all the McBain, McGarnacle, like like the Space Mutant movies that would show up sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. oh, so so great. And I the whole massacre scene in the horror in the in the um, movie theater was was fantastic. Yeah. I mean that movie theater scene again. Being too young, very made me very paranoid for a lot many years of my life that I always check behind me in movie theaters. Yeah, because I know I know how the blob attacks. <laughs> right, I know it just pulls the, the the heckling guy, just picks him up and book it from behind. Uh, 
And then the 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 projector guy yeah. like melted into the ceiling. Oh my god! So many like great things in this movie. I yeah, what a what a fucking great movie. And I I think I used to think of that melted face on the ground every time I stepped on a you know typically sticky movie theater floor oh. in the nineties. Because remember the floors were always super sticky back then. Yes. Like every time I'd step on it, I'd be like, oh, I hope that's I hope that's not the blob. <laughs> Well, I, I I have a few honorable mentions that I'll try to mention quickly. Sure, sure. Um, in the beginning, when Kevin Dillon's character is trying to practice his stunt, the way that they intercut between him doing that and the crowd at the football game. Yeah, that's a nice. I thought that was yeah. that was some great directing. I thought that was really cool. I really liked that. Um, I loved how when the homeless guy is checking out like the crash sight yeah the dog immediately knows not to fuck with the blob of course um, the animals always know <laughs> right exactly and i love the shot when they show like the pink blob and they transition to the kid eating jello yeah uh that's <laughs> fantastic stop it oh and um the voice of lord zed from power rangers is in this movie i did not know this who who is he do you remember lord zed yes robert axelrod as jennings he he was that government guy who had a problem with what they were doing yeah oh my he was god the, he's the one who was like i don't know we i'm not comfortable with doing this and and the uh, the main guy like tells him to like grow a pair or whatever yeah um meadows doctor yeah Meadow. yeah wow that's awesome i did not know that that's great yeah um, I don't think I have any least favorite things. Matt, do you have any honorable mentions or least favorite things? Definitely no no least favorite things. Right. Obviously. I, the movie ended. My least favorite part about this to movie keep is going. that it ended. <laughs> yeah, I I, I I I just love it. It has a yeah. special place in my heart. I agree. Oh, uh, I also want to point out the motorcycle riding in the sewer scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that was cool. I feel like that was a big thing back then because it was in the first Punisher movie too. Like, like people riding motorcycles in sewers. <laughs> but you don't see that anymore. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, I agree, Matt. Like, I, I, I don't think I have anything bad to say about this movie. It is, it is near and dear to my heart as well. And I feel like every time I watch it, I like this movie a little more. Yeah. I had forgotten all about like the Reverend guy and him at the end, like that last scene. Yeah. Oh, so good. So good. And I we're kinda going all over the place. I know, yeah, we are. Which is fine, whatever. If people have seen the blob, they under they should understand. <laughs> much much like the blob itself, this conversation will have no true form. Um <laughs> so <laughs> But yeah, like the, the the whole thing with the priest, I thought was cool. Like he gets burned, his fucked up eye, the whole setup for a sequel that we'll never get. That we'll never get. And I love how the creepy effect that they did to make that last shot with like the fake hand yeah. and the the jar with the with the things moving in it. Like I just the old the old effects. I just I just love so much. But also like I, sorry, these I guess are some other like honorable mentions. But um, the whole thing at the end with the the blobs trying to crush kevin dylan in the truck mm-hmm. and meg like running around with the fucking machine gun and, everything yeah. and like Badass. like shooting at it and stuff like that was so like jawsy it was such like a it's so funny how like how adventure movie the finale of this movie is it it it, it like this movie like bounces between it's like a horror adventure yeah you know it's not it's not just like a horror movie it, it has all these adventure type like themes and tones in it and it, it's just it's it's so cool um and i love that after 
they defeated the blob and they got Kevin Dillon out of out of the truck, mm-hmm. his line was, "What a rush!" <laughs> because that's what he's so, been looking for this whole time, the whole time was a rush. So is the blob just like frozen? In like yeah yeah freezer. which is why it was frozen sent- for now yeah which is why it was sent into space because you know it was like a biological weapon that was too dangerous so good well if i if i remember correctly they were trying to test it in space to see if the cosmic rays or whatever would affect it and they were like as just as we suspected the gene you know the the virus mutated when exposed to cosmic rays or something like that oh, okay. very fantastic four um <laughs> but yeah, like so I think they shot it into space on purpose, but they didn't expect it to mutate that way and they didn't expect it to land where it did. Mm. Oh, fair, okay. But but yeah, and also I loved how at the end one of the one of these small subplots of this movie is that this is a snow town that like all of their money comes from like the, skiing and mm. stuff like that, but they haven't had snow in years, so yeah. the the town is struggling and at the end they get snow. <laughs> Well, they get snow from the, the liquid nitrogen exploding. <laughs> right, right. And I know it's like, it's, it's, it, but it's like, sim- like, oh, yeah. I, I appreciate that this movie was thoughtfully written. Yes. You know, it, it wasn't just like, like, it is popcorny and it is horror, like, it is a horror movie, but it has arcs, mm-hmm. it has themes. It has like, you know, it, it is a thoughtfully written movie that also happens to be an incredibly fun, scary horror movie. It's 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 really like unique in that in that regard. I would say definitely, definitely. Yeah. What in this movie get, is deserving of a Breaky Award? You know, I gotta say, I don't think I I don't have one. I don't think maybe, maybe Kevin Dillon's coat. I was gonna say Kevin Dillon's hair. <laughs> oh yeah. You know what? I think we can give a Breaky. I think the rules of the Breaky Awards would allow us to give it to hair. I think so. I back that. I interpret Breaky just to mean fashion in general, and I would lump hair in there. Yeah. You know what? I, I agree with you. <laughs> it That's the one thing I didn't like I, as I was like compiling all of this. That was like the one thing I didn't think of because I was so busy like being mesmerized by this awesome movie. Right. That I didn't even like think of like cool, you know, visual things. Did you did you did anything stick out to you, Matt? You know, the um the American flag sunglasses from the pharmacy that the guy puts on when he's. Oh, <laughs> gonna buy his cool. panaka and condoms ribbed. Fuck, um, you're right. Damn it, Matt! You killed. Yeah, you got. You nailed it. That is it. That God is the true. It, I would that's say that's a, that's a breaky if I ever saw one. Yes. Uh, yep. fuck. That's it. That I is mean, the breaky and the varsity jackets too. You know. Oh yeah, there were some good varsity <laughs> jackets. That's true. Yeah, but they can't compare to those sunglasses. No. You're right. How did I forget those sunglasses? I was too busy laughing at that scene for all the other reasons. Good catch. <laughs> Good catch, Matt. Okay, you, you guys got anything else to discuss blob-related? I do not. Yeah, I think we blobbed it all out. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, I think, I think I know the answer to this. But <laughs> would you guys recommend the blob? Yes. <laughs> yep. 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 Yeah, this would be one of the hardest, the strongest recommendations I think I would ever give. Yeah. Like in just in terms of it being a crowd pleaser, it, it's yeah. it's. It is legitimately a crowd pleaser movie in almost every sense of the word. I mean, maybe if you don't like horror movies or whatever, you wouldn't dig it. But like, as long as you like horror movies at least a little, I think this is like like a great movie for pretty much anyone who has eyeballs. Absolutely, still, provided those eyeballs have not been dissolved out of their skull, <laughs> <laughs> melted. I know all those like death scenes. Oh my god, when when the girl. 
when the piece of shit guy is in the car with the girl and she like deflates. Yeah, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> she was on Baywatch. Yeah, Erica Alaniac, I yeah. believe. And and it's funny because I was watching that scene and I was like, I I'm very mixed because I feel awful for this poor girl, but I'm so happy that this guy is <laughs> seeing consequences. So I was like, oh, this is so confusing. But um but yeah, like that that always creeped me out too. That's another thing that I feel like you don't see anymore, is there was always like parking deaths in movies when we were younger. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know? I don't know if the kids park anymore. Like I don't know if that's what the kids do. <laughs> But, like, parking was, like, a big thing for, like, horny kids, and there were so many parking deaths in movies, and I and I, I think I miss parking deaths. That's what I will say. Well, I think you have an idea for our next film now. Yeah, it's just going to be, it's going to be the park. Mm-hmm. Pa- well, I, you know what you can call it? Park gore. Park gore. There you go. And I'll just throw some parkour in there as exactly, well, yeah. and we're all there set. There you go. Um, all right, yeah. Strong recommend from all of us. Do you guys have any... Anything else you watched recently that you'd like to uh, quickly recommend? It's, it's it's part of the reason we watch The Blob. Uh, sorry, we didn't get into this earlier. Um, is it's you know it's October, so it's Halloween season, and um, I know myself and many other people like to watch horror movies pretty much all all month long. So The Blob is one that I like to watch every year. So that's how this came up. But um, do you guys have anything else that you happen to watch this week? Nah. Every, everyone should watch Phantom of the Paradise. Okay. It is a it is a it is a 1970s rock musical horror comedy film. It's directed by Brian De Palma, and scored by and starring Paul Williams. Paul Williams plays a character named Swan, who may or may not be the devil. <laughs> it is fan fucking tastic. I love this movie so incredibly much. Uh, it is all the excesses of like 1970s music scene stuff. You've got the Faustian deal going on. You've got the reimagining as the fan of what the Phantom would be in the electronic music world. Basically, the Phantom is a costume I will always pursue as my white whale of I must make. And <laughs> it, it's an iconic mask. That's it's an sure. iconic mask. It's a fantastic voice thing he has going on. Again, the in the the I don't know how to describe Paul Williams, but not enigmatic, but it's just something about him is you draw to Paul Williams and you're drawn to him in this. He does it. He's perfectly cast, but also Garrett Graham as beef like this character beef. <laughs> he's like the al- beef? beef. He's the ultimate. <laughs> he's the ultimate glam rock god. It's amazing. <laughs> I just I can't say I can't say enough about it without spoiling too much. I just I just it's it's 1970s excess at its finest. All right. I mean, like, it, it's funny. I don't know why I've never seen it, because one, I've always been really fascinated by the Phantom of the Opera, but always weirdly unsatiated by its adaptions. <laughs> and I love Brian De Palma. And this is by far, from what I know, one of the weirdest De Palma movies. I mean, his movies are always weird, right. but they all tend to fall into like the thriller kind of Hitchcock right. type world. So it, I, I was always confused that De Palma did this one as well. But you, I feel like you and Chrissy have been talking about this movie for like decades. You, like I, 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 there's been so many times and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to watch it. And I have the DVD sitting behind me, but I just haven't gotten around to it yet. But I, this this is a good reason for me to finally uh, pull the trigger on that. Please do, and I just hope I haven't overhyped it. All right, that was a solid recommendation, Tim. I definitely think uh, I definitely think you sold it well for sure. How'd you make your money, man? 
You the first rich guy in history who's squeaky clean. Oh, the sound of Tom Jane saying one of his great lines from Deep Blue Scenes means we are out of time. We'll be back next Monday with a new episode, assuming we don't get whacked for laughing at Junior Soprano when he fell on some stairs. Um, if you have any questions uh, for me, Matt, or Tim, we don't have a dedicated email or Twitter yet, but you can reach out to me on Twitter at Alex Harris Comics, all one word, comics with an X. If you like this podcast or any of the other great podcasts, articles, or features on, a- on AIPT, you can help support the site and the people who work on it by signing up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash AIPTcomics. Thanks for listening, and uh, don't forget, it's okay to love movies. They may not be able to love you back, but they'll always be there for you. Bye. (laughs) And see.